Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, we talk about social media, we talk about online marketing, we talk about all of these digital outlets, but the thing that we haven't talked about yet is the traditional media, the traditional media. And that's the issue that we are going to define, challenge and conquer today, how you as a small business or as an entrepreneur can grab your slice of the traditional media's attention. And actually, how you can use that slice to your benefit, how you can use it to boost your products, your services, your campaigns, and so on. And joining me today is a real, real expert in this field, someone that has worked as a producer and has made programs for people like the BBC and the MTV, and someone that's actually worked with Al Gore and my personal favourite, Mr. Paul McCartney. So we are in the presence of a real expert today, guys. So welcome to the show from Deal With The Media, Mr. Pete Walt. How are you doing, Pete? I'm very well, thanks, Mark. Thanks, thanks ever so much for having me. Real pleasure to be here. It's a real pleasure. Tell me about Paul McCartney. How did that come about? What was that? Um, Paul McCartney, I was working on a documentary um, about Live um, 8. Do you remember Live 8? Everybody remembers Live Aid in 1984, but um, 30 years later, there was this uh, concert called Live 8. I do, I remember uh, it really uh, well. uh, Paul McCartney performed, and um, I I had a really nice time making um, a documentary all about the the day of the performances and got to um, meet and work with a lot of the big stars that performed, um, including uh, Sir Paul and um, had a nice time um, interviewing him uh, in New York, actually, when he was uh, on tour. Um, So we had him for about an hour and uh, uh, he was a very interesting guy. Um, Obviously, incredible background, great privilege to meet him, but uh, he had the most amazing uh, lighting requests of anybody I've ever worked with he has to be um lit in a certain way um i think um this is a sort of bit of an open secret so i can discuss it just so um he doesn't look as old as he really is um on camera Um, and also so his sort of slightly old dyed purple hair doesn't look so strange so um he has um quite a lot of makeup quite a lot of nice lighting um but um obviously it doesn't detract from the fact that he is um a a total legend and uh, um a very nice chap actually surprisingly down to earth which is good Paul McCartney, what a win! And it's not a bad job, is it? Really, flying out to New York and seeing him in New York—that's not. It's not a bad day's work, <laughs> it really. It wasn't the worst day I ever had, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> not like uh, cleaning toilets for a living, which I did for a while. Oh, we've all done those kind of jobs. I remember my first real job, and it is a quote-unquote job. There, it's uh, it was delivering fried chicken. And I put on a lot of weight, Pete. I put on a lot of weight. I was eating, sneaking the uh, the, the classic thing was. We used to make these little nice American fried chicken burgers. and Dangerous. Yeah, really dangerous because the, the thing is, when you did the burgers, you weren't supposed to put the skin on. So you've got this amazing like Kentucky fried chicken skin. Obviously, I just ate it. So I'm doing like 12 <laughs> of these things every night. Honestly, the, the way it just piled on. I was like, yeah, I was a cute kid. I was a cute kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, saved on the recycling, I guess. Oh, you're not kidding. Yeah, well, that's what it was for, actually. Yeah, it was yeah. about the environment. The environment know. first. I'm sure that's your, <laughs> your first instinct. Absolutely, no question. So tell us a little bit about you then. What's your background, sir? Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the past, the present, and maybe the future as well. 
Yeah, well, the future. Um, well, that's all obviously um, was going to be about hoverboards, but they've just been invented. So that's exciting. But um, <laughs> my past is, as you've intimated in your very kind introduction, um, uh, was in television producing. Um, and um, I made all sorts of programs um, for the, uh, as you said, for the BBC, ITV. I also worked on a um, a detective show briefly on Channel 5, which was very exciting. Um, lots of fake blood and um, sort of fingerprints and uh, um, car chases and things like that. Um, but um, I then um, got involved with uh, media training, um, which uh, for the uninitiated, um, if you've ever wondered why um, certain people look and sound so good on television. It's mainly because they've had uh, a lot of coaching um, and a lot of training from people like me. So uh, my company, um, First Take, um, takes people who work in business and have um, an obligation to go on the media and they probably haven't had much media experience before. And it's my job and uh, the job of my colleagues to make sure that they uh, give a uh, good performance. So we sort of basically take them through a, a much harder interview than they're likely to expect as a kind of um, uh, as, a, as a way of preparing them for that interview. And so when they go into the real thing, they should be able to handle it um, fairly easily. Um, and so off the back of that, I really wanted to take that whole process and knowledge base and put it into uh, an online format that um, new business people, entrepreneurs, people starting up who might not have the funds to um, pay for um, a media training uh, day, because it's quite an expensive thing that's usually the preserve of bigger businesses. I wanted to give that um, the knowledge and um, power effectively um, and put it in the hands of, of small business people. So I created an online place uh, where all that knowledge can exist and be accessed and that's called dealwiththemedia.com and um, there's a sort of big comprehensive course which is at the heart of that which uh, I got uh, Sir Trevor McDonald to collaborate with me on so he actually presents that course so it's called Deal With The Media with Sir Trevor McDonald which is lovely um, and um, from that um, I want to in the future, expand the site and we're getting more and more information, not about just appearing in the media, but actually about how to get the media's attention in the first place, which is often the thing that people want to know, unsurprisingly, at first. Um, and um, in the future, possibly rolling out um, a sort of more um, active uh, PR service for small businesses, not just um, giving them the advice of how to do it themselves. You know everyone, sir. You know everyone by the sounds of it. I'll just call my mate Trevor to do my uh, my little course there. So that's quite an interesting angle then. So you help the entrepreneurs. And I guess one of the biggest questions that I've got when it comes to traditional media, and it's only because I'm kind of naive in this field, is that how big a part can this play, especially for small business? You know, I, I always, certainly in my own mind, see, and I, I, you know, the phrase traditional media, I, I really kind of don't know what to make of it. You know, it makes me feel like it's expensive and it's you know this big thing you know it's this hard thing to get into what, what's the real deal with that i think all of those things um are true to a certain extent um and people seem to spend a lot of money on pr services um every year that's certainly for, certainly true um the pr business 
in the UK is now just about to go past um, £10 billion a year. Um, and that's a rise from about £7 billion only three years ago. So you can tell from that that it's accelerating you know, much faster than the rate of inflation. So that must mean that more and more people think it's a more and more important thing to do. Um, and uh, it's, it can be a very expensive thing to do because there's a huge amount of competition. Um, but the reason why there's a huge amount of competition is because it's such a valuable thing to get. Um, it sort of is... If you do manage to get a mention in a newspaper or a sort of a big television broadcast brand, it's um, a bit like getting the sort of fantastic combination of word of mouth advertising, but also word of mouth marketing, I should say, and also sort of big brand advertising because you're being featured and recommended by a, a sort of long-standing brand that you actively trust and engage with. So to sort of take that out of a jargon um, uh, way of speaking, uh, which is one of the things we advise in, in media training, um, so I shouldn't have done it, big slap on the wrist for me. Um, if you are have a small business and it's recommended by the BBC, the BBC is a is something that we've all grown up with, we all respect, we all know is, is a sort of part of our lives. And so we take that advice on board and are extremely likely to trust it. However, if you just advertise somewhere, then the fact of the matter is that there is an um, inherent unconscious knowledge from the person viewing that advert that you've paid to put your um, business there. And they can sort of take it or leave it, and most people leave it. So the sort of cut through, if you do manage to get referenced or recommended or talked about by the media, uh, preferably on an ongoing basis, is that far, far more people will pick up on it than advertising. Um, but um, it's possible to break into that without employing a very expensive PR consultant or, in fact, any PR consultant when you first start out uh, in business uh, is probably going to be very expensive. Um, I think most people start businesses, according to um, the UK TI, with about two or three thousand um, pounds in their business bank accounts. And, um, you know, a PR consultant is likely to charge about uh, £500 a week for your services on, uh, and of the small end. So it's not really something that's very affordable. But if you have the right story, and if you are, um, more importantly, a superb communicator, there's a great opportunity to be featured in the media, not only once, but crucially again and again and again. And that's when it becomes seriously powerful because not that many people are really very good at appearing um, on television or the, or the radio. It's a very unnatural thing to do. And uh, that's why television presenters, the really good ones, get paid an awful lot of money to do it because it's not as easy uh, as all that. And the amount of people that you sort of see uh, wanting to be television performers or um, wanting to be on the radio um, and sort of not being very good at it and failing. Um, you, you sort of only have to look at the fast numbers of people sort of putting audition tapes on YouTube and things like that to know that a lot of people aren't very good at it. Sort of um, tells you that um, if you can get good at it, which is mainly a matter of 
practicing and applying the right techniques, then you can become a sort of recognized media expert in your niche. And that can drive a huge amount of revenue and interest your way. There's a lot to take away from that. And the, <laughs> the, the thing that I'm really... F- the thing that I'm really pulling out myself is the whole trust. You know, I think that's a really important point to note is the fact that if you can crack this, the trust that comes with it is is kind of unrivaled, you know, and I think that's a really important point to note. And just to turn that on its head then, what are some of the myths and the misconceptions about the traditional media, especially perhaps in today's, you know, online world? What, how, where does it fit? What are some of the myths that you come across and that you have to dispel when you start working with someone? Well, I think um, a major myth is that the traditional media is um, not really relevant anymore um, and it it all should be about social. Um, And while social is incredibly important and is something that I would um, never discourage anybody from practicing, and I do practice myself a lot, um, I think there is still a huge role for traditional media to play. And of course, traditional media doesn't necessarily mean that it's got to be printed on a piece of paper or um, it's got to be broadcast via a radio or a a television set. It's just those sort of traditional media brands that aren't, that are why called broadcasting versus narrow casting. So um, I often go back and tell the sort of uh, etymology of of the word broadcast to to sort of unpack this point. And um, when they first started radio um, uh, back in the early 20th century, they needed a term um, for what um, they were about to do, what this new industry was going to be called. And they borrowed um, the word broadcast from the farming industry. And um, what it meant was when you broadcast is a farmer going into a field and scattering his seed as far as he could across a very wide area um, in order to try and get crops to grow in lots of areas of the field um, in a short uh, period of time as possible in terms of the amount of time that he was sowing the seed. That is versus narrow casting when you are sort of uh, very diligently putting your seed in a smaller area where you know it is very likely to grow. And I sort of see social media kind of like the farmer narrow casting. You know, you're, you are communicating effectively to a smaller number of people who you know follow you and you know are very engaged. But I also think it's very important at the same time, if you want to have a successful farm or if you want to have a successful uh, career online or in business, to also broadcast and reach new amounts of people um, through scattering your message as widely as possible. And the fact of the matter are, uh, is, if I can get my grammar correct, is that, um, you know, these traditional media brands like the BBC, like uh, in the UK, the Daily Telegraph or, you know, the New York Times still have enormous numbers of people uh, engaging with them on a daily basis. And if you can feed uh, your story or get a mention within that, not only does that have the effect of driving a lot of um, people and a lot of interest to your website or your business directly from um, the site or directly from people just sort of absorbing your brand name and maybe Googling it later, it also, in a lot of cases, gets people 
um, involved in social as well. So um, people get a, 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 um, a bit of interest in a newspaper, then that the newspaper might tweet that out. You can tweet that out. You can put it on Facebook and then you can get a kind of social wave going off the back of that. So there's sort of a couple of really good reasons to, to get involved uh, in broadcast. I think that's the main kind of myth that it's not, it's not really relevant um, and it's certainly not going anywhere. Everybody kind of thought when, um, you know, iPlayer first came out that TV channels, for example, would die. That why would you still watch a TV channel when you can basically create your own one or just watch any TV when you, when you want? I was one of the people that absolutely subscribed to that opinion. But funnily enough, people seem to really enjoy sticking with TV channels and enjoy having curated content created for them. And I think in some way, shape or form, that's always going to survive, whether it is um, a sort of a big newspaper brand or a big television channel brand or a radio brand. People are always going to want to have some kind of recognized, branded recommendation for content or media. And, uh, and so uh, these big media brands, I'm sure, will survive. And you need to, I think, use them for your advantage when you're starting a business because it can create um, a huge amount of, of growth very, very quickly. Here's a question for you. If someone manages to get a mention or a feature and so on in a, in a reasonably large outlet. Mm. What's the easiest way to blow that? So what's the easiest way to waste that exposure? Well, um, the easiest way is to not follow up on it. Um, because, uh, if you do have, if you're lucky enough to get featured in, in the media, um, this is what I often call being a, a spike victim. Um, what will happen is that if you sort of picture your your, your Google Analytics um, chart or the number of hits you're getting on your website, or um, for people that don't involve themselves in, in Google Analytics or anything like that, if you just picture the sort of um, a, a kind of a graph of a line um, going on a sort of horizontal basis, and that represents the amount of interest that you get in your in your business. Uh, or, you know, the number of customers that are coming through your front door. As soon as you get a mention in the media, chances are that that line is going to jump up um, and you're going to get way, way, way more interest. Um, but then that goes away as equally as it comes, especially when it's your first mention. And that sort of is uh, reasonable because no one's really ever heard of you before. And it usually takes several mentions before people really start to assimilate with you. So what you need to do um, once you have one mention is, A, if you do have a website, obviously you need to sort of try and um, get uh, as much kind of capital off that traffic um, as you can by perhaps, um, you know, capturing people's email addresses and all that sort of thing. I'm sure there's plenty of advice on your uh, podcast about all that sort of stuff as well. But um, you can also use that to sort of start um, talking to other journalists and start sort of building your media CV, as it were. We all know when we get started in a, in a job, if you haven't had a job before, it's very difficult to um, talk about your experience and why you should be considered for further jobs in that industry because you haven't got 
any sort of verifiable experience to back you up. No one's really going to trust you. But let's say you had an appearance on your local radio station. It's then possible to go to a journalist working on a national radio station and say, look, I had this appearance on a local radio station. Would you consider featuring me for your national program or to a newspaper or to a magazine? And just because one journalist has featured you before, there will be some kind of third party vetting that's gone on and more media are likely to feature you. So you can really use your one appearance to build up your media CV and build up the amount of media exposure that you can uh, get for yourself. So make sure you follow up. And I, I take your point around the, you know, that first ex- piece of exposure that you get, you know, kind of riding the crest of that. But it actually, it's a really short wave piece of exposure. So actually, you can't really take that for granted. I, I would imagine as well that when it comes to PR, you know, when you think about kind of the traditional PR route, when you get this exposure, it's very easy to feel like, okay, well, that's it. Uh, you know, we've kind of done that take that off the list and, you know, maybe feel that didn't work. You know, okay, yeah. traditional media doesn't work. And it's because this is just not how it works. It's just you can't expect one piece of exposure. And then to feel like that channel doesn't work, it's like anything else. You've got to persist with it. You've got to measure it and you've got to – It's got surely it's got to be part of a bigger, wider strategy. So let's get to some action then, Pete. Let's get to the real meat. Let's get to the actionable tips. So for anyone in small business, any entrepreneur out there that wants to take advantage of – their slice of the traditional media. I know you've put together three fantastic actionable tips for them. So let's dig into actionable tip number one, please, sir. Yeah, well, the first thing I would say um, is it's really, really important to get very, very active on Twitter. Um, If you're not on Twitter, this is where journalists hang out to the point that a lot of journalists sometimes feel like there's only journalists on Twitter. And um, there's a huge amount of, of Twitter lists out there which um, if you don't know what they are, they are um, lists of um, people on Twitter that someone else has gone to the trouble trouble of creating. And if you Google, uh, sorry, if you don't Google, that's mixed messages massively there. If you search on Twitter um, uh, for a Twitter list of journalists in your niche, the chances are that someone will have created one for you. And then it's as simple as making sure that you look through what each of those journalists is tweeting about, what they're saying, and look for an opportunity to interact with them. Um, Not necessarily to pitch them straight away, but perhaps be helpful to them. And from that, you can start getting in a a little bit of a relationship and then you can pitch your story to them when you kind of warm them up. Because when you pitch something cold to a journalist, they get so many people um, pitching stuff to them um, every day that you've got to stand out somehow. And so having some kind of relationship with them really, really helps. So um, that's a sort of um, prequel to some of the tips that (laughs) I'm going to say now. But uh, once you've got the um, attention of a journalist, um, you've really got to come up with a story that is going to um, make them want to take action and, and involve you. And, and there's a, a five-point acronym that um, for most media outlets 
when you put the, um, the the elements of that acronym together, you can create a really, really powerful story. So um, if it's okay with you, Mark, I might just run through that, that acronym now. For sure, okay. yeah, let's begin. Okay, um, so it spells um, TRUTH, this acronym, so T-R-U-T and H. The first T um, stands for topical, and this is probably the most important one of all and something that um, can really, really help uh, small businesses in particular to, to sort of leverage what's going on in the news at the moment to get themselves um, in front of the cameras, microphones, or, or, or uh, written journalists. So um, if there's a big event going on in the news um, that in some way um, sort of uh, is relevant to your business, then that is the perfect time to strike and to get in front of a journalist because they will be looking for um, experts to talk about the current big news story in um, a way that is kind of fresh and interesting and gives them a sort of mini exclusive. So, um, I mean, a sort of example of these events are things like um, the royal wedding. You know, if you had anything to do with the wedding industry, the chances are that when um, uh, William and Kate got married a few years ago, that would have been an amazing time to um, get involved with um, the media and to sort of say, to speculate on what kind of uh, dresses they might be wearing, what flowers they might be using, what kind of horses they might be uh, riding or having, you know, what's, uh, what the parade might be like, what sort of um, their reception might be like. All of these people I saw, because I was working at the BBC at the time, endless numbers of party planners, designers were interviewed at the BBC because there was so much coverage about this story. We were desperate for people to come in and offer something new. Um, so that's kind of uh, a, a great way um, to, to, to get in front of, uh, of, of producers and um, journalists. And that's really a matter of, of being across the news on a regular basis if you haven't got time to watch the news and sort of really um, look out for things happening, it can be as simple as setting up a Google alert for the sort of keywords, the important phrases to do with your business. And then news will just be emailed to you the second it comes out about your niche. And if it's something that is really relevant to you that you feel you can offer a useful viewpoint to, that is the time immediately to contact journalists and say, hey, I can tell you X about Y. And um, believe me, I've worked for the news channel, BBC News Channel. Um, there's been people that phone up, you know, at three o'clock and by half past four, they're doing a live broadcast on the BBC. So it's really, really worth um, taking action on, on a topical news story. Um, the R, uh, stands for relevant and, uh, that just means that you've got to, uh, pitch your story appropriately to the news outlet that you're pitching it to, you know, tabloid newspapers and broadsheet newspapers are two very different things. If you send the same email to both of them, the chances are that neither of them will use it. But if you send a more kind of salacious gossipy one to a tabloid newspaper and a more kind of fact-based intellectual one to a broadsheet newspaper, then they're a bit more likely to take it on board and use it in their media outlets because they can they don't have to make a sort of running jump and a huge leap to imagine your story in their newspaper. You really want to make a journalist's life as easy as possible 
for them. And so you've got to kind of get in their minds and and see your story in the context of their media outlets. So make it as relevant as possible. Um, the U stands for unusual. Um, it's got to be something that is kind of unique, unusual. Um, if you're running a, a, a sort of festival, is if it's the sort of seventh year that a festival has happened, that's pretty boring. Um, if it's the sort of 50th year or the 100th year it's happened, that's slightly more interesting. Um, and we're more likely to take notice uh, as journalists. So try and think of something about your story that is um, unique and un unusual. That That's terribly important. Um, the second T stands for trouble. Um, and that means that, uh, well, journalists in particular love um, writing about trouble. You will have noticed um, that most of the news is about things going wrong rather than things going right. And it's just a sort of sad fact that we as humans seem to be more interested in uh, bad news than good news. So if you can try and frame your story in a way that um, means that you're going to sort of be creating bad news for someone else, it may be that a journalist finds it more interesting. So um, and a, sort of a big example of someone that has a company that's, that's done hugely well out of this is Uber. Um, they've, uh, you know, caused tremendous trouble wherever they've gone, uh, really frustrating um, the, the local taxi drivers in every single city they've been. Um, uh, but it doesn't seem to do them any harm whatsoever. People just keep talking about it and they keep on building their brands to astronomical levels. I'm not sure what the latest... Uh, um, estimate on, on their figures are, but it's certainly in the many, many, many billions of dollars. Um, and the last letter in truth is human. And this is terrifically important um, as well, because journalists these days are trained to deal in stories primarily from a human interest angle. And that's just a bit of journalistic jargon, which basically means that you, you want to talk about what's going on with people involved in the story first uh, before you talk about the facts and figures. Um, so uh, to give you an example, if you ever see a story about the weather, um, you know, we've seen uh, in the last few days, it's sort of late January um, uh, 2016 for people uh, listening in the future. And um, uh, at the moment, there's huge uh, snowstorms going on in the east coast of the United States. Now, um, before they talk about how many feet and inches of snow there's been, the chances are they'll probably interview um, some people who've been caught in their houses or talk to businesses that have been affected and try and find out the sort of real kind of narrative of the characters that are involved. If we think about it like a kind of movie or a story, which is incidentally why new stories are called stories um, because storytelling is the, the oldest and greatest form of, of communication. And that's what uh, we as journalists try and do on a regular basis. So you've got to put a character in the story. You've got to have some human interest, um, whether that's you or someone else um, that sort of depends on where the story is coming from. Both have their merits and, and that might be something I'll, I'll go on to talk a little about another tip, but I might sort of breathe in for two seconds first. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really powerful. I love that. I can see many a PR agent and many an entrepreneur actually sticking truth on the wall and we'll get those in the show notes, guys. So don't worry about skipping back to those. We will get those in the show notes. Excellent. Dash expected. 
Com. So, super stuff, Pete. Wow, that's fantastic. So, let's dig into actionable tip number two, if you can actually take a big enough breath. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got my breath back now. Um, now. This is just about how really your your fans, your customers are your biggest secret weapon. It's, it's often that um, when people who um, you know subscribe to my email list or, or talk to me via deal with the media, they, they often sort of send me their press releases for me to have a look and, and to sort of see what I think. And the, the most common mistake um, when people first send out a press release is that it's all about them. And uh, we as journalists, um, when we see a press release that just describes how a business was set up, what the person's motivation for it was, um, maybe a bit about how they're doing and you know a, a, a link to the website, it doesn't really tell um, much of a story. Um, and it's all self-promoting and it doesn't really necessarily appeal to a, a wider audience. But if you can kind of prove that you're part of a kind of trend or you're starting a kind of little movement, um, that is something that we're suddenly a bit more interested in because as broadcasters, we can see, oh, well, maybe we can sort of tell the world about this new business or this new kind of, uh, cause that's that's happening because more and more people are joining it and so how you sort of prove that you're you're doing that is by getting the sort of well-trodden um internet marketing tactic of testimonials in effect if you can sort of get people who are using your product or service and really love it to talk on your behalf, that is much much more powerful than you uh speaking about your product or service by yourself or even more powerful than you speaking about it at all. It's kind of a bit um, more interesting if you can get some fantastic people um, explaining um, to a journalist and being willing to be interviewed by a journalist on your behalf about why they are using your, your product um, or your service. And if, you know, if you've got a kind of health product that has changed people's lives, um, it's not just about how the, the product works, but it's that human interest thing, you know, it's like, Oh, well, I was given, you know, an extra five years to live because I changed this, my way of eating. And it's, uh, you know, um, it's allowed me to see my grandchildren grow up and all that, that kind of emotion suddenly permeates into the story and makes it more of a narrative, more of a story rather than just a sort of set of boring facts and figures about how perhaps this, this diet plan, um, might've worked. Um, so yeah, it's sort of tapping into, um, sort of crowdsourcing, if you will, your, um, your, your first stories that you, you send to a journalist. There's a big personal theme coming out of that as well, you know, making the story about the people and focusing on the people. And I really like that. I think I sort of often talk about it in, in the context of sending email marketing out insofar as if you go on about yourself and just keep angling it around yourself, people switch off really, really quickly. And I'm spotting that theme here as well. So I think that's a huge sort of between the lines takeaway as well, you know, kind of just keep the focus on on the story. I really, really like that. So let's move into the third and final actionable tip, please, sir. Yeah, I just have. Um, I just wanted to, to draw your attention to um, a guy that I met when I when I first um, worked at the BBC on BBC News, who was a regular um, 
uh, regular visitor to us on 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 the BBC News Channel, and um, I followed his his um, career with interest ever since because not only was he a really nice guy, but he was also a sort of a really um, devastatingly good. Um, communicator um and it's a chap called henry Pryor, and i sort of recommend um having a look at um his website his, his surname is spelled p-r-y-o-r rather than p-r-i-o-r like the um richard Pryor, the comedian um and uh he's made over a thousand appearances on the bbc in the last seven or eight years which is a lot. Um, there's not a week goes by that he doesn't get asked in to talk about house prices or um, things to do with um, estate agents. Um, obviously, we in the UK are really obsessed by house prices, and it, it helps that um, that it's a story that is always appearing in the news. Um, uh, so, you know, it's something that 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 is likely to 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 um, to need his services. But he's made himself really sort of indispensable um for a few reasons um one he is good at uh, talking um but he's certainly got a lot better um if you look back at his early appearances he's kind of um not quite as fluid as he is and not quite as comfortable he's improved over the years and that is something that comes with practice but he always makes himself available at the um the shortest of notice you could phone up henry um, you know, a sort of an hour before he was expected to be on camera and he would arrive, uh, drop whatever he was doing, arrive at the BBC um, with something interesting to say and with a few useful facts and figures at his fingertips. Um, and he also was, as I'd mentioned, incredibly nice. And there's quite a lot of times where people, probably because they're really stressed about going on the television or the radio, um, forget to be nice <laughs> to journalists. And although journalists sometimes get a bad rap, um, they are, uh, we are human beings um, as well. And we like to be um, treated nicely. And we like to be, you know, it helps if you're able to thank people. Um, and he always makes a point of being very thankful for every appearance and often writing a little email or, or sending a tweet out afterwards to say thank you. And all of those things combined means that there isn't anyone else at the BBC that they would ever phone up um, uh, to come on um, and talk about house prices or talk about stuff going on in property because we know that he's a sure bet that he's going to be polite, he's going to have something interesting to say, and he's going to turn up. And the, those people are actually very few and far between. And if you can make yourself... Um, uh, you know, nice and polite, a great communicator and have always have something interesting to say and always turn up when people ask you to, you will get back asked again and again, just as Henry has done and just as other people like him have done. And that allows you to rack up, you know, over a thousand appearances in such a short time. And Henry himself is an estate agent. He buys property uh, mainly for clients, rich clients. But he has completely, completely started his one-man band, um, very successful property business off the back of just appearing on um, the media. And he makes, an, you know, he, he's not too shy about saying he makes an extremely good living for himself and he is never short of clients. So 
Um, he never has the hassle of going out and selling his services because every time he comes off the, being on the BBC, there's emails waiting for him on his phone when he turns his phone back on to say, I just saw you on the BBC. Would you be interested in working with me on, on um, my latest um, property needs? Um, and uh, I think he's a real shining example of uh, an entrepreneur that's really, really you know, had fun with appearing on the media because appearing on the media can be and should be fun, um, but has turned it into something that has completely driven his business. And, you know, that's absolutely free marketing that I would say, you know, a company as big as Foxton's or one of our big national estate agents would would really, you know, really kill for the media profile that this one guy has got. And that's all come from being a superb media performer. So it's a strategy that I would recommend looking into at the very least. The great point about everything that you said there, the one thing that I take away from that personally is, of course, use that expert position to your advantage. You know, that's kind of a given. That's the crux of the tip. But the thing that you mentioned there, which kind of went under the radar, was just make it easy for people. Be on time, be available, be reliable. And it sort of harks back to a great tip for, for, for any anyone wanting to get into public speaking as well. You know, just be there mm. with a talk ready to rock and just offer your services. If a speaker drops out, just be there and say, listen, guys, if anyone does drop out, I am here. I have this talk ready and prepped. I'm happy to step in. And it goes back to that kind of notion of just making it easy for people because at the end of the day, we all want a little bit of an easy life when our backs are against the wall and we've got to get someone on board to fill a gap for us. So I really, really like that tip. I think I think all three of them have been fantastic. I think there's a heck of a lot to take from that and a lot of action to be, uh, to be implemented there as well. So Pete, thank you so, so much for that. I've really, really enjoyed that and learnt a ton myself. So just before we put a pin in it, where can people connect with you online? Um, if they just go to dealwiththemedia.com, that's um, how you would imagine it being spelt, I think. Um, <laughs> um, there's um, all the social links off there, or you can sign up to um, the email list and get um, a load of actionable tips sent to you for free. So um, that's the place to go. Check it out, guys. We'll get that in the show notes as well. So do not fret if you missed that. Thank you very much, sir. That's been a real, real pleasure. And for me too, thanks for, thanks very much for having me. Always fun, so always fun. And guys, don't forget, as I mentioned, if you missed anything that Pete actually went over in the episode or you want any more information, everything that we spoke about will be available at excellence-expected.com. And whilst you're over there, don't forget you can download your free copy of the Essential 14-Day Guide to Cutting Your Working Hours and Increasing Your Impact. It is sure to save you some time and increase your profits. That's a personal guarantee of mine if you follow that. So check it out, guys. That's a free download at excellence-expected.com. Com. And as ever, thank you for spending this time with us. Thanks for choosing to press the play button. And until next time, don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Cheers. Bye-bye.